Kia ora Wellington and welcome to B-Side Stories, stories of people that make Wellington tick. I'm Perrine here today and I'm with Sapir. Hi everyone. How are you doing today? Yeah, really well. Enjoying this sunshine we've had this afternoon. <laughs> there hasn't been too much of it around, I gather. Oh no, it's been pretty atrocious. <clears throat> All right, well, I wonder how the penguins are faring in that weather. <laughs> um, we have our guest today is Karen Wiley. She is a volunteer, well, she's got many roles at um, Places for Penguins, which are a local organisation that um, help provide homes for our little korora or blue penguin or little penguin, as Karen just told me, um, is the the official name for them these days. Kia ora, Karen. Karen. Hello, Karen. <laughs> um, so, they, so they're little penguins generally now. Yes, they have been for some years. It just takes people a little bit of time to get used to saying... Um, little penguin rather than little blue penguin. Yeah. Um, they're called other things in other areas. Um, but yeah, little penguin is sort of the official common name now. Yeah. But you said your group generally uses the Māori. We generally use the Māori name, um, Korora. Yeah. And uh, yes, once you learn how to say it, it sort of rolls off the tongue quite <laughs> nicely. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So places for penguins. Um, as far as I know, it's um, it's been going for about 10 years. Places for Penguins was started in 2007. Uh, it's the Forest and Bird Wellington Branch Project. And um, it's sort of been... Uh, had a few coordinators and then uh, in about 2012 they decided to um, form a committee of volunteers to run the project mm -hmm. and I was called on because somebody thought I knew some something about penguins <laughs> and um, yeah sort of gone from there. Um, and did you have a background? I used to look after sick and injured native birds and one of my uh, the birds I looked after very frequently were little penguins. Yes. Right. So I knew how, knew how to, to look after them and get them better um, wasn't too familiar with the rest of their lifestyle, um, but soon learned. Yeah. And is that, were you living at a place near where penguins came in or, and no, got sick, or no, was it I just an interest? In Iowa, so. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so people were quite um, quite astounded that I had penguins in my backyard. Yeah. Um, albeit in crates and boxes, but yes, they'd. Um, hear strange noises during the night and say, what's that noise we heard from your place? I said, oh, that was the penguins flip whacking their flippers against the plastic box. <laughs> and so did that just grow from a love of birds? And yeah. yeah. All right. Um, and so now it sounds like you have quite a full-on um, volunteer role. You're the... Yes. Um, monitor, nest box monitoring coordinator. That's right. And the vegetation coordinator. The vegetation coordinator, and I'm helping out a bit with advocacy at the moment as well. Right. Um, can you just tell us a bit about what the aim of Places for Penguins is and um, how you're working towards that? Well, they're a quite unique bird. Um, they're one of the they only flight the seabird um, penguins, and we have them around our coastline. People don't often see them because they're nocturnal on land. 
and so they don't believe that they're there. Um, Wellington has a rocky coastline which is fast diminishing because of erosion and uh, things that are being done to prop up roads around the coast and there is no no really good records of whether the population is actually declining or static or increasing in Wellington. There's a large colony of little penguins over on Matu Soames Island but this population is far more scattered and and there's fewer of them around the Wellington mainland coastline. Uh, we put out nest boxes on the seaward side of the road to stop them crossing roads on the hope that they will stop not cross roads because so many of them get killed by cars. Um, we have a predator control um, group who um, is about 26 volunteers monitoring more than 200 traps. Mm. And what kind of, uh, what are their main predators? Main out predators here? would be, well, dogs, but we're not catching dogs. Um, <laughs> they're the, they're the, would be the most um, common predator in New Zealand, right. is family dogs. Um, we're looking at the feral predators, rats, stoats, weasels, hedgehogs. Um, they're the they're the main ones that um, that we trap, um, not necessarily by choice, but because they they come into the traps and they get caught in the traps. Um, but most of our traps are designed specifically for rats or stoats or the mustelid stoats and weasels. Mm. Um, and so you're working towards um, eliminating pests and also yes. providing safe nests. Yes, and, and doing this, uh, the safe places to nest, we do lots of work with vegetation around the coast, revegetating and enhancing existing vegetation mm. to What's provide a... cover for nest boxes. Right. What is a good vegetation for the nesting yeah. environment? Well, there's a variety, but mostly we, we always use native plants and we use the native plants that are common in, in the Wellington area or not so common, but ones that were found here originally. So they range from uh, flaxes, grasses, um, some of the more exotic-sounding names like Melisitis ovivatus, which is quite a rare plant in the wild, but once it's in propagation in the nurseries, we get plants to put out on the beaches, mm. and they grow generally very well. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and can you tell me a bit about the progress that you've made in these past 10 years and kind of successes that you've experienced, even if you're not able to track the populations? Um, well, I joined in 2013, um, and we reviewed the whole uh, the whole project, and uh, we decided that there were things we could change and things we needed to make better. One of them was the monitoring. The monitoring was not um, the, the monitoring results were not particularly useful, and so we organised um, to. Um, record, I made a call out to volunteers to 
learn how to monitor nest boxes, we got quite an outstanding response. And then we allocated three to four volunteers for each bay, and those people monitor that particular bay all year round at varying intervals, depending on what time of the year it is. And what um, what would the monitoring include? Well, the monitoring basically is they go round each nest box and they make observations around what they can see around the outside of the nest box and then the temperature recording outside and inside the nest box and then very carefully opening the lid to see what the occupancy is inside, what's what's inside. And it's really quite exciting being able to see penguins starting to come in at this time of the year. And So now is when they're coming yes, in? Yes, they're coming in to, in to breed. And you might see one penguin in a nest box and then the next time you look, there's two penguins in the nest box and you think, hmm, that looks promising. Mm. And then they may not be there the next time you look uh, and then they're back again and then they settle down and they lay eggs and they incubate the eggs and then the eggs hatch and then they brood the little tiny chicks and then suddenly mum and dad are back at sea fishing full-time during the day and only coming in at night and you watch the little chicks developing into big, big um, mm. grey, fluffy um, penguins yeah. <laughs> before they get their feathers. <laughs> and then maybe starting their own families. Oh, not for a few years yet. No, they, um, they take a few years before they um, become sexually mature. Right. So, yeah. But And they will um, do the penguins, will they always come back to the same nest? They're very... They have very high site fidelity, so they normally come back to their natal area to breed, and they will often come back to the same nest box, and they really prefer to stay put in terms of where they nest, and um, and, and they're very territorial. Way the tired any stray penguin that happens to get a flip or two close to their <laughs> nest box or walks past the front door. So, um, and we have um, about 108 nest boxes set out all around the coastline. Um, we rebuilt them because they were all different shapes and sizes and we rebuilt them to the standard dock design and made a few modifications. And so all the nest boxes are the same and so we've got them set out in various places and that's where they stay. We've got them all GPS logged and so the, the monitors for each area get very protective of their nest boxes. Right, <laughs> and, um, like the penguins themselves. Yes, very much like the penguins themselves. And we've really got the most fantastic team doing the work. It's, it's good. Mm. And I, it's just so, it's really, we really look forward to going out to monitor. And last week in the Bay Eye Monitor, we had three pairs and three boxes. So that was very exciting. Nice. Mm. Yeah, I am... Um, Back on the popularity of it, um, I think when the email went out a couple of months ago looking for nest box monitors, I got in touch and I was like, oh, do you want to come on the radio? And, you know, that might help you get some new monitors if mm. you want. <laughs> you wrote back and you were like, we've got way too many, you know, we've got all the volunteers we need <laughs> yes, and then some. So that's great. So Well, it was, but some people were disappointed because they missed out. Yeah. And um, I really feel for those people and um, I hope that we've managed, we've had a few other people pull out meantime and we've managed to put in a few new, more new people. But yes, it's, it's, um, 
very high on the on the want list as for a volunteer to be a, a places for penguins nest box monitor. <laughs> it's like a high prestige role. Yeah, well, I'm, I've, there must be some attraction. I, I know what it is for me, um, but it is and very what is exciting. That for you? Well, it's just seeing these birds, these wild birds, and being able to being given permission to look into that nest box and just on you know once every two weeks we're not allowed to do it any other time it's very strict just mm. make sure that they, we don't disturb them because the best way to look after any wild bird is not to disturb them mm. um, so the monitoring has to be carefully um, controlled to make sure that we don't disturb them unduly and we we hope that people who find nest boxes just by chance don't make a habit of looking in them because they can actually um, cause the birds, the adult birds, to abandon the nest or if they are poking around in the nest box or have got the lid up, the adults can damage the the eggs or injure the chicks. Mm. And that means that we don't get more little penguins coming from that, Mm. that nest. And they may not come back to the nest in previous in following years because they've been disturbed unduly. Right. Hmm. So that's um, a highly sought off part, highly sought after part of the volunteering. But you have yes. volunteers for other roles as well. Oh yes, we have a wonderful team of um, pest control volunteers, and they. Um, their work's instrumental in, in maintaining a safe environment for kōrera, which is the Māori name for little penguins. And it's also part of the wider network to make Wellington predator-free. So that's a sort of a fairly new thing that we've been doing pest control for, for a number of years, as have other groups, and now they've sort of tried to... Um, consolidate it so that it's it's all running mm. on, on the same wavelength now, yeah. which is really good. Yeah, mm. and um, and so aside from that, there's also the beach cleanup, which is yes. one part that I've been involved in. Yes, beach cleanups, and we don't have that many of them because there's usually quite a few big communal beach cleanups. Right, and so um, this is all on the Miramar Peninsula. Miramar Peninsula. And mostly, yes. Yeah. And then we we have uh, vegetation and weeding working bees. Right. So that's weeding and planting at particular areas that we're trying to get knocked into shape for penguin um, habitat. Mm. Sometimes the weeds get the better of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I must say, from my times out doing the... Um, the rubbish or what do you, whatever you call it, the rubbish collection part of it. It's a really, you know, you feel good about doing mm. something for the penguins, but it's actually really nice just to spend time out on those rocky outcrops that you just don't normally go to or spend that long on. You kind of stop and look out at the sea and think that's nice, but um, it's really nice to spend a good few hours out there. And Oh, it's lovely, and it's amazing what you see mm. um, when we went um when I went to the bay to monitor um penguins on last Saturday morning um, we saw a baby seal just in the shallows and it was obviously practicing its um its newly found skills of rolling over and doing backflips and um diving 
down and things. And we watched this little seal pup. It was just amazing. Mm. It was a little flipper waving in the air, and yeah. then it would do a couple <laughs> of rolls, and then it would look up and see if everyone was watching. Yeah, <laughs> try a few more. Put on a show yeah, for you. It was you. just quite amazing, and yeah. it just sort of swam slowly around the bay and just stopped and do would do a few more tricks and then you know continue on. Mm. So that was very special. Yeah, but you see shags sitting on the rocks and fishing, and it's just watching the wildlife is really very. Um, it must be very therapeutic, I think, mm. in those areas, particularly on a morning where there's not many people around and you've got a lovely calm sea, and you can just enjoy the peace and the quiet. Yeah, mm. yeah, and so close to the city as well, where you know this kind of wilderness zone. Oh, well, mm. it's amazing just how much wildlife activity we have in our own backyards. I've been at Bellina Bay sitting on the steps one night um, about half past ten and there was a, a shoal of um, um, stingrays mm. flopping along the shore, <laughs> almost along the shoreline. The tide was quite way out. And they were obviously being chased by something, which we couldn't see. And then they headed off back to sea. And the next thing, there was a group of fish jumping out of the water. And they were actually jumping onto the rocks, onto the um, above the sea line. Mm. And um, then this seal came and shuffled onto the beach and hauled itself up, grabbed a couple of fish and munch, munch, and then back <laughs> into the water again. So that's what was obviously chasing the um, yeah. The others as well. And then we waited a bit longer and a little penguin came in. Yeah. And that was just sitting there with all the traffic driving past. Yeah. And it was a lovely evening. There were people out walking. And all within 20 minutes we mm. had this little wildlife show yeah. <laughs> going on for us. <laughs> that sounds pretty magical. It was very mm. magical. I mean, where else in the world could you do that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> mm. um, so can you tell me, what about the challenges that you guys face in in your work? I mean, obviously it's all volunteer work, so yes. that's probably... There are a number of them. Um, there are, we get very upset when penguins are run over by cars. Um, people driving cars generally not aware of penguins being around after dark. Because they say they didn't, they see the signs for mm. where penguins crossing, but the signs they see in the day, they never see any penguins, so they don't believe there right. are any. Don't think there are any, but no, they are nocturnal on land, and they're coming into shore, sort of um, between half past eight and uh, after midnight, and that is when they get hit by cars. Right. No. So more driver awareness would yeah, be Yeah, driver awareness. Um, they are out there, and particularly at this time of the year when it's beginning of the breeding season. In fact, from um, April, May through to... Uh, once they've settled into their nest, as long as the nests are on the seaward side of the road, they're pretty much OK. But from April, May onwards through the winter months, there will be penguins... Uh, trying to get across roads because they're hardwired to go back to their um, nesting grounds, which generations back would have been probably where the roads are now. Mm. And uh, yeah, right. So yeah, kind of lack of awareness of drivers yep. and 
Also, um, people fishing off riprap, um, which are the boulders and rocks that they put up to form sea erosion walls. Uh, okay. um, the fishing line gets snagged, that breaks off, and it forms a great tangle, and penguins, penguins called kōrura, um, and shags in particular, get caught up in it. And if it doesn't strangle them, it will cut off a circulation to a limb. And a penguin without a flipper or a foot is a dead penguin. Mm. It just can't survive in the wild. Um, so that's cars and anglers, um, people's pet dogs. People don't realise that their dog is a direct descendant of an ancient and now extinct grey wolf. They both have the same binomen, which is Canis lupus, and the common the the everyday dog um, that you, people have as 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 a pet has ninety eight percent of that extinct wolf's genes. So there's a definite predatory response to the scent of penguins and mm-hmm. kiwis, and they will go into complete frenzy when they smell penguins or kiwis, and People get caught unawares, they don't know what to do, the dog's going crazy, and the next thing you know, we have a dead penguin mm. or a dead kiwi. So we would like people to be aware of where penguins are, um, particularly riprap areas, which are the big boulders that are put out for sea erosion control. Penguins nest in those areas. Dogs can actually get them out of the riprap and they will kill them within a matter of seconds. Mm. So it's not very pleasant. Um, we've had three deaths in the first week of, of June this year. Oh, wow, that's a um, lot for one week. One at Frank Hitz Park and yeah. two at Houghton Bay. And they were just people's pets. Yeah. So, so keep the dogs on leashes and yes, penguin areas. Yes. and um, even a leash... Is the dog has to be under the control of the owner at all times, and there are very few dogs that actually are. Um, and a, a, a penguin will still be attacked if a dog is on a leash. It's the control that the, the owner has over mm. the dog, being able to stop doing that, or preferably keeping away from the the, the dog from away from areas where penguins would be. <laughs> even better. Idea. Yes, that would be the, the ideal situation. <laughs> Yeah, but if not, then good control. Yeah, mm. um, litter that people drop, um, and it gets into the into the ocean. I've done autopsies on penguins and found that their gut is full of bits of plastic. Mm. The stuff is toxic. People don't seem to think, you know, they think it's just inert, but no, it is highly toxic. And the, when it degrades, it becomes more toxic, and all that stuff inside them just makes the bird toxic. Um, it can kill them. It can um, it can stop them getting nourishment from food because if they eat too much plastic, there's no room for food. Mm. So as well as not being able to have the food, it's kind of poisoning them yeah, from the inside yeah, out. It is because the, the digestive juices and things and, and the way that they um, process food in their bodies means that they're breaking down the plastic even more. Mm. Um, they can get strangled by plastic. Again, it's like fishing line. They can get it caught around them. And it means that gradually over time, the, do- the 
the bird will just die. There's also, we've got um, all the development of making Wellington a better place going on around us with proposed cycleways, pedestrian ways extending out beyond the road over the coastline. Now that is going to take out the majority of the penguin um, nesting areas around our rocky coast. Right. Um, on the in the inner harbour part, so sort of from Point Jerningham right through to Shelley Bay. Mm. Um, if that development goes ahead with the the planned cycleway walkway, right, suspended out over beyond the road. Yeah. That will also create um, a sort of a a place where rubbish collects that no one will be able to access to remove. Mm. So it'll just be getting stuck underneath those big extensions. And, yeah, we don't know what yeah. will happen. Yeah. And so is that something, um, you know, your um, Places for Penguins is under the umbrella of Forest and Bird. Mm-hmm. And I imagine is that Forest and Bird could be quite helpful with advocacy for things like that, yes, that smaller groups aren't as well equipped to... Yeah. Um, well, basically our advocacy for things like that would go through Forest and Bird. Yeah. Um, but we would have a big part in, in preparing the information that was sent to the council because there were submissions being um, called for or the public to have their say on the development mm-hmm. of places of... Areas like Shelley Bay mm, and things, which right. is, I think it was announced in, in the paper um, late last week. Right. Yeah. But all the sea erosion walls that are being put up around Wellington, um, if they get done during the penguin breeding season, we don't know for sure whether they're going to be taking out natural nest sites in in the clay banks. We have had Penguin Detector Dog do surveys around part of the coastline, so we have information on, on those those parts that have been surveyed. We're going to get them back um, in September, October this year to complete the survey, so we have a, uh, we've, we cover all the areas mm. around the coastline where we're likely to find natural nests. And Penguin Detector Dog is the only way to find them. Their sense of smell is incredible. It would take um, it would take a human probably forever trying to locate natural nest sites because they're very well hidden. Mm-hmm. And we there's a few indicators that we would pick up as to if there was a nest there or not. But a dog will just go point and sit <laughs> and. And then the the trainer will come along and put his hand up the burrow. Yes, we've got a penguin. Right. Yeah. And it's just incredible the number that they find. Yeah. Um, I was just astounded at watching this dog work. Was yeah. We use Alistair Judkins from Kaikoura and his beautiful um, Hungarian Vistler dog Mena. Mm. And um, the pair of them, well, they they can find nest boxes, um, the natural nest sites, so so quickly. 
and um, it means that we get a lot of information in a very short time, mm. and it's accurate information. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, so, can I just ask you a little bit about how many people are involved in the um, the group and um, the typical events? Who comes along to your events? Is it a core, you know, a core group, or do it's it? There is generally a core group that turn up. We have about three hundred people who are interested, or three hundred and forty who are interested in places for penguins work. We send them out invitations to come to working bees, and we have a newsletter. And so they're kept up to date with what's going on. Um, it's just up to them whether they want to turn up to things yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, with those volunteers who are registered um, with the places with places for penguins, um, you have to be one of those people to get an invitation to be an S-Box monitor. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, the coveted role. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we have people just turning up that we've never seen before. Yeah. And I think once they see what they what we're doing, they get more interested. Yeah. And we have people that keep turning up. Yeah. Turn up when they're able to. And yeah. Yeah, so you're meeting new people all the time. Yeah. And um, you're learning a lot about um, why they're interested and how you can foster that interest. Mm. with um, getting them channeled into things that they like doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you have a wide range of ages involved? Yes, we do. Um, There's a lot of younger people. There's there's quite a few retired people. Um, And working working people with young families. Yeah. So we have a a big variety of age groups turning up for, for things. Sometimes we have to say uh, we don't think this this working bee will be suitable for children just because of the health and safety aspects of it. If it's the proximity to the road in relation to where we're working and things like that. And, you know, it's so easy to get distracted when there's young children around Mm. and if one runs out in front of a car, yeah, it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We don't want a a penguin statistic to to a child statistic. Exactly. Mm. Um, and so, what about upcoming events that um, that you have on? Is there something coming up? Um, there's lots of planting and weeding coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we basically have sort of got it mapped out, but there's, they're all very weather dependent. Um, we have midweek planting. We're very keen to get people involved in midweek planting um, because we've got a, a bit of dearth of, of that at the moment. And uh, we've got uh, conservation volunteers doing weeding for us at Point Houseville tomorrow morning, hmm. half nine. So we'll be four hours of um, hard work there. <laughs> and then we'll be getting doing some planting after that. So there are projects, there are, um, people need to ask if they can be put on the mailing list. Right, and, and how the would they? List, they automatically get invitations to those things. Okay, and if people are listening, and they think, I want to get involved and work my way up to being a nest box monitor one day, <laughs> how would um, they contact you? Um, places for penguins, all one word at gmail dot com. 
placesforpenguins at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay, and they can get in touch with you there. Yes, and Kerry will be inundated with requests. <laughs> <laughs> Great. She'll be delighted. Yeah. Yes. Um, gosh, anything else before we go? I mean... Um, let me think. I think I've that's all right. If not, covered everything. But yeah, we, um, you know, we really appreciate the work that our volunteers do. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have a project without them. Yeah, and well, and you are one of those too. <laughs> and oh, yes, I'm a volunteer. Um, I'm sometimes wondering what happened to my life. <laughs> <laughs> the great penguin <laughs> overtake. Yes, yeah, so, but um, I think of all the birds that I've looked after, penguins would have a very big place in my heart they're just they're quite magical birds they're so resilient they're so small and when you see them in the ocean and what the the sort of the seas that we've been having in the last few days and think um, they can get ashore and get to their nest it's just incredible I mean the the um when they're feeding their chicks um the Belinda Bay penguins goes go out to South Wairapa coast to feed and they come wow. back with about 200 grams of fish to regurgitate to their chicks every night. Hmm. I mean, you imagine the amount of energy it takes to get out there, fish all day, yeah. feed yourself for the return journey, plus bring back food for the, for the, for the kids. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, that's, mm. that's a beautiful image, though. <laughs> um, They're pretty special. Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Karen, for coming in and telling us about this. We're going to try and listen to some calls for birds on shore after dark to finish up with. Um, And this is from a site that Karen told us about, nzbirdsonline.org.nz. It's got all kinds of bird sounds on there, so check it out if you're interested. Um, Yeah, kia ora for that. Thank you. on um